I wanted to talk about 1 Corinthians 6.17 tonight. It's a verse that I was reading last semester, kind of towards the end, maybe early December. And it says this, it's 1 Corinthians 6.17. It says, He who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. He who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And so I started thinking, what does it mean to unite myself with the Lord? Because this is a pretty big deal. If I unite myself with the Lord, I'm one with him in spirit. And so there's an action that I can do. And so I was thinking, what does that word mean? And so it doesn't always make sense to go look in the Greek and see what the original word there says. But this time I thought it might shed light on on the meaning of this verse. And so I looked at that word unite there, and it actually is kolao in the Greek, and it comes from the Greek root kola, which means glue. So basically what this verse is saying is he who glues himself to the Lord is one with him in spirit. That's kind of awkward, isn't it? He who glues himself to the Lord. And so it says, He who glues himself to the Lord or cements himself to the Lord or fastens himself to the Lord is one with him in spirit. So this is a pretty big deal. I started wondering, what does it mean to glue myself to the Lord or to fix myself to the Lord or to unite myself with the Lord? Like it's talking about in this verse. And I think it's really encouraging. I hope, I hope this really encourages you because I think it's something that we can all do. You guys know that we've been talking about James 4.8 this last semester which says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And this verse is kind of the continuation of that. Unite yourself with the Lord. It's a big thing. And you'll be one with him in spirit. And there are kind of two different aspects to uniting yourself with the Lord. Two different aspects to that. And the first one is the initial aspect. And that, start, that happens when I, when I accept Christ and when I let him come into my life. That's when I initially unite myself with the Lord. The second part is more of a progressive part that continues going in my daily walk with God, in my daily relationship and fellowship with God. You can think of this, these two different aspects in marriage. I'm married to Aaron. We got married six years ago this summer, so almost six years ago. And there was an initial aspect to uniting myself with Aaron in marriage. There was a wedding where I said I do and she said I do. Russ actually did our wedding, so he remembers that day and Linda remembers that day very well. And that was the initial part where we committed to each other and we started a relationship together. And that happens also in our walks with God when we accept Christ, when we let him come into our lives. But then there's a progressive part about being united with Aaron. And that happens every day. I can wake up in the morning and I can choose to not be united with her, to not be unified with her, and I can choose to kind of do my own thing. Or I can choose to be unified and united with her throughout the day in communication, in thinking, in actions. We can do the same kinds of things, talk, all that sort of stuff. Does that make sense? So there are two different aspects. The initial part, where the relationship kind of started, but then the progressive part that keeps going as the relationship unfolds. Those two aspects are also involved in your walk with God. And so this verse is talking about, kind of has a dual meaning here. And I kind of want to talk about the first aspect first, your, your salvation. Or that first step of accepting Christ. And that's, that starts when, in, in Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. He said, if anyone hears me, I'll come into him. And I'll, I'll have dinner with him. He said, we'll have this relationship. The interesting thing about that verse is we can all respond to that. Right? A lot of people debate who that was originally written to. Was it written to just this specific church or just that? And it's kind of funny because right there he says, if anyone opens the door. So he tells us he's writing it to everyone, right? If anyone opens the door, I will come into him. So that's that initial step of saying, I know Jesus is knocking on the door. He wants control of my life. He wants to come into my life. If I open the door, he will come in. 
In John 1.12 it says that if it says to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So as I accept Christ, as I put my trust in him, as I receive him, he gives me the right to be his child. And that's the initial time where I first unite myself with God. And it doesn't take me becoming perfect. It doesn't take my actions. It doesn't take going to connect every week or going to church every week. It doesn't take any of that. It takes simply saying, I choose today to start a relationship with Christ and to, to respond to what he's already done because he's already drawn me with his goodness. And I'm simply responding to that. At that point, you receive his spirit. That verse says, he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. When we first make that decision to trust Christ, he says he puts his spirit in our lives. In 2 Corinthians 1, 21-22, it says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So at that moment when I said, I unite myself with you, I accept you, I open the door, he said, well, that's great. Now I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in your life as a guarantee that you will be saved. See, you have security in this relationship now. We are united. Glue is strong. It doesn't just come apart, right? Kind of like in the video. So we are, we are glued together. In Ephesians 1, 13-14, it says the same thing. Having believed, you are marked in Him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. So when we, when we united ourselves with God initially, where we said, God, I realize I'm sinful and I'm separated from you, and I'm going to accept your forgiveness... And I'm going to open the door and let you come into my life. At that moment, he says, we're united. My Holy Spirit is in you. You are united with God, one with Him in spirit. So that's the initial part of this verse. And now that stays. I want, to, I want Before we go on, I really want you guys to understand that that's never in question, right? That's not what, that's not what the progressive part is talking about. That is never in question. In fact, in Hebrews 13.5, God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. See, he's with you forever once you take that initial step and let him come into your life. He will never leave you nor forsake you. In Philippians 1.6 it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So once you take that initial step of receiving Christ and letting him come into your life, he says he will continue that work for the rest of your life until Jesus comes back. That's a big promise. So he's never going to leave you hanging. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall without a doubt. But he's not going to let you go. In 2 Timothy 2.13 it says, When we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. See, he is sticking with us like glue. When we unite ourselves with the Lord, when we glue ourselves to the Lord, he sticks with us like glue and he does not let us go. And so he keeps us even when we fall. In John 10.28, Jesus puts it this way, I give them eternal life. If you trust in me, I give you eternal life. And, And they shall never perish. And no one can snatch them out of my hand. So you're in his hand, right? And no one can take you out of his hand. You're glued to his hand. That's pretty hardcore super glue, right? Nothing can get you out of there. You're stuck. You are in his hand. You're never coming out. The almighty God that created the universe is grasping you. And he says, I'm not letting go. You're someone. When he says, no one can take you out of my hand, does that even include you? If we believe the Bible, it does. I want this foundation to be solid because this, when you unite yourself with the Lord, accepting his free gift of salvation, you are solid with him. You are secure in that. 
And then in Romans 8, 38, and 39, it says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So see, again, nothing can separate you. It says no created thing can separate you from Him. You're a created thing. You can't separate yourself from Him. I'm a created thing. I can't separate you from Him. See, you are glued together with God. You are secure. You are solid. That glue is not coming undone. Have you ever super glued your fingers together? It's not very much fun, right? (laughs) Hurts like crazy to separate them. Well, with God, you can't separate. He says, it's solid. You're there. Okay, now that's the initial part of being united with God. That's this initial part. He who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So I choose to let him come into my life. I choose to accept his free gift of forgiveness. And at that point, he says, boom, we're united. And I'm putting my Holy Spirit in you. You are one with me in spirit. That's the initial part. Now there's a progressive part, just like in marriage, like I talked about with Aaron. It keeps going. Every day, it keeps going. It keeps going. This is the progressive part that doesn't end. And it won't end until we die. Robbie talked about a friend of ours named Jesse, who died over break. Jesse was a perfect example of this. About six years ago, he made the decision, seven years ago, he made the decision to trust Christ. Uh, I think it was the weekend after 9-11, if I'm not mistaken. And he made this decision initially to accept Christ. And he lived a lifestyle after that of uniting himself with God on a regular basis. Living a life of being close to God. Living a life of being one with Him in spirit. And it impacted people all around him. It was amazing to me. I was at this funeral. Robbie's there. A bunch of us were there. It was the saddest funeral I've ever been to in some respects because it was a young guy that died and left behind a wife and who was pregnant with their first child. It was very sad. But at the same time, it was the most joyful funeral I've ever been to in my life. Because people, I mean, you remember this, people all over are standing up talking about how Jesse impacted their lives. Old people, young people, Christians and non-Christians. People all over this room were standing up talking about, I saw something in that guy's life. He lived out Christ's love in a real way. And I'd never seen that from anybody else. It was amazing. And see, this is what it was. He started that relationship, but then it was progressive. It kept going in his life. And I hope that that's what we all take away from this tonight. So what's this progressive aspect in your walk with God? What is it, what is it all about? I just wanted to start with John seventeen twenty one. Jesus desired this for us. Jesus wanted this unity with us. He wanted to be one with us. He wanted to have unity with us. In John seventeen twenty one. Jesus prayed, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they, talking about us, also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So Jesus wanted us to have the same unity with him that he had with his Father. That is complete unity where they are completely one together. You've heard of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Three distinct personalities, one God, one person. Just like an apple has the skin, it has the fruit that you eat, and it has the core. It's three parts, but one apple, right? Just like you are a spirit, a soul, and a body. You're three parts, but one human being. God's the same way. And you can't, you can't separate your spirit from your soul or from your body, right? 
Uh, you'd be dead if you did that. See, you can't separate those things. They are one. They cannot be separated. And see, Jesus prayed that we would have that level of unity with him, where we'd be inseparable, where we'd have that complete unity that nothing could separate. That was his desire. That was his prayer. And I think this verse kind of holds a little bit of the key to understand how to live a life like that, where we can have that kind of unity with Christ. So I hope this really encourages you. So what does that word mean, kolau, or to glue yourself to God? What does that Greek word really mean? And I was thinking about that, and it doesn't just say right there. It just gives us a word. It says, unite yourself with the Lord. So we have this principle in reading Scripture. You guys will probably hear this at some point in your walks with God. And it's you always interpret Scripture with Scripture. So if you, always, if you ever want to understand what is the Scripture saying in this instance... We'll look at what other scripture says about that same thing. Does that make sense? And so I started looking back at what, where else is this word used in scripture, this word kolau, or, or to glue yourself to something. Where else is it used in scripture? And it's used, it's used eight other times in the New Testament, but talking about seven different ways of uniting yourself with something, or seven different ways of gluing yourself to something. So I thought, this is kind of interesting. What does that talk about? And here are a few of them. Acts 8.29 talks about being united in location. It uses that word, glue yourself together in location. It means you're in the same place together at the same time. So how can I be in the same place with God? Isn't that kind of hard? He's a spirit. I'm a physical human being. How can I be in the same place as God? Well, practically unite yourself with Him by being committed to fellowship with other believers. See, Jesus said in Matthew 18.20, For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Alright, so where's Jesus right now? He's in this room with us. Isn't that kind of weird? I wonder which empty seat he's using. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's sitting right over here next to Galeen. I don't know where he's sitting. Or maybe he's sitting next to Selena's family. Hey guys, all the way from Alaska. It's a treat to have them with us today. But I don't think he takes up a physical chair. It's just kind of funny to think about it that way. But he's here with us. And so if I want to unite myself with God by being in the same location that he's at, I can do that by spending time with other believers. Right? With you guys. That's why this meeting is so important. This meeting isn't important because you get to hear me or Robbie or anybody else that talks. That's just, those are just some of the side things. This meeting is important because God is here with us and we can grow close to each other and close to God. We can unite ourselves with God by being in the same geographical location as Him. And Hebrews 10, 24-25 puts it this way. It says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, and let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So this is again saying, continue meeting with other believers. That includes church, right? Autumn's back here. Autumn's dad is my pastor. The River Church is my church. That's my family. I can go there and be with God in a geographical location with other believers. So that's part of uniting myself with God, is being with other believers together with them and being encouraged by them. That verse says, let us encourage each other. Let us consider how to spur each other on to love and good deeds. Or how can we be encouraging each other? And so the first, the first way that that word is used is in uniting through being together in the same geographical location. And we can do that with God by being in fellowship, whether that's at your church or at a weekly meeting like, like Connect or something along those lines. 
The next word that dis- that's used to describe uniting yourself in this passage or with this word, kolau, is belief. It's uniting ourselves in belief with God. Acts 5.13 and 17.34 both use this word uniting yourself, talking specifically about belief. So what does it practically mean? It practically means unite yourself with God by trusting Him in every area of your life. Isn't that true? Doesn't that, don't you feel a lot closer to God as you're trusting Him with the things that are going on in your life? Maybe hard situations are coming up and you're forced to trust God. Maybe great and easy situations are coming up, but you still have to trust God with those situations. But as I live a life where I'm trusting God every single day, I'm uniting myself with Him. I'm drawing myself closer to Him. I'm gluing myself to Him. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. I shared this with uh, Malcolm today. Malcolm and I were having lunch. It was pretty sweet. It was good stuff. But it says this. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your, on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. So see, it says every day, in every single instance, don't lean on your own understanding, but put your trust in God. Because even when I don't understand what's going on around me, God does understand what's going on around me. And I can trust Him. And as I trust Him every day, I'm uniting myself with Him. I'm drawing closer to Him. So the second one is belief, or putting my trust in Him. The third one is to unite myself in decision and action. Okay, And this comes from Romans 12.9. It says, Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And that word cling there is the same word for glue yourself to what is good. So it's saying, decide in your mind, no to this, yes to this, and then go take action on what you decided yes for. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. You could think of this practically as uniting yourself with God by developing convictions about living a life that glorifies Christ through His power. Right? See, we all have these distractions and we all have these temptations that come into our life. People... Uh, our own flesh, things say, hey, do this, do that. And we know those things do not glorify Christ, right? They're things that definitely are, go against what we know is right. And it's saying here, hate those things. Decide in your mind who your God is. Decide in your mind who you want to follow, who you want to pursue. And then cling to Him. Cling to what is good. He is so good. See, we can cling to Him every day. We can glue ourselves to Him. But it takes making a decision in my mind and then taking an action based on that decision. I loved what Eli said last week, how he said, if you want to stand strong on campus, just tell all your friends around you that you're a Christian, because then you can't get away with stuff anymore, right? Because they're going to know, wait, what are you doing at this party? You're that Christian kid. So he said, I realized that whenever, whenever I didn't tell people that I was a Christian, that's when I really struggled. Well, that goes back to the same thing, uniting yourself with God by making a decision, saying, this is what I'm going to stand for, and then taking an action on that. So uniting myself with God by my decisions and actions. The next one, number four, is uniting myself with God in purpose. It talks about that in Acts 9.26, or it talks about that word there. And it practically means uniting myself with Him by following His plan for my life. In Jeremiah 29.11, and I love how Robbie quoted this earlier today, It says, I know the plans I have for you. This is God speaking to you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. How many of you guys want a hope? Right? How many of you guys want a future? How many of you guys want to have prosperity? Not just financially, but in terms of your family. Having loving relationships. Having your needs met. 
having impact and significance on this planet. Don't you guys want that? Okay, now God says, that's what I have planned for you. And you can't get it on your own by just working hard at it. You look all around you and people are striving to get those very things and none of them know where it's at. You see movie stars trying to commit suicide. Who is that? Owen Wilson, isn't that his name? Owen Wilson just tried to commit suicide. Like He's one of the funniest guys I've ever seen in my life. You just laugh your head off watching that guy. Inside, though, he's empty. And outside, he's laughing. And inside, he's empty. And see, God says, I have something totally different for you. I have true life, true joy, true happiness, true abundance that the world can't offer. And he says, just follow my plans for you. Right? I have these good plans for you. Just let me walk with you. Quit trying to do it on your own. When I simply walk in the plans that God has for me, I'm uniting myself with Him. I'm saying, God, I trust you. And I'm going to walk with you and let you call the shots. And then I get to unite myself with Him and experience that unity with Him. The next one, number five, talks about, it's in Luke 15, 15, it talks about uniting through commitment and covenant. So making a commitment. That's kind of what Aaron and I did when we got married. Saying, I'm committed to you. You're committed to me. We made this commitment together. And this, this verse talks about gluing yourself together through commitment or uniting through commitment. That practically means uniting yourself with God by putting Him in charge of every area of your life. It means surrendering to God. It says, I have, like I said a minute ago, I have an idea of my plans for my life, but I know you have a different idea of your plans for my life. I'm going to surrender and I'm going to let you be in charge instead of me. See, when I take that little step and just say, okay, God, I'm surrendered. I'm I'm going to let you call the shots. I'm going to be committed to you, which means even when I don't see it, I'm going to do it your way, not my way. When I do that, I'm uniting myself with him. Romans 12.1 puts it this way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So as you think about worship, what we did tonight, this is a type of worship. Praising God, telling God what He means to me. If I never told Aaron what she meant to me, we would not have a very good marriage, right? But see, when we get to sing, I hope it's not awkward to you guys, it's simply just telling God all that He means to me. Telling Him that I love Him. Telling Him that He's everything. And it's some of the most refreshing times that you'll ever experience in life. Now see, worship goes further than that though. It goes further than just singing or telling God what He means to me. Worship goes into a lifestyle. And that's what Romans 12.1 is talking about. Living a lifestyle of sacrifice. Where I say, God, you're first, I'm second. What you say goes, not what I say. I want to put you first. And see, I know I'm not going to lose because he's always going to give me a good plan that he has for me. A future and a hope. And he's going to prosper me. So I know I'm not losing out when I put him first. You guys... You saw the picture of me snowboarding up there a minute ago. I love snowboarding. I used to, it was my dream to get sponsored before I came to college because I knew I'd be poor and I didn't want to have to spend money on boards. So I was trying really hard. Get sponsored, get sponsored, get sponsored. I was injured and I was having just the worst time of my life. It was miserable. Finally, I said, God, it's yours. You can have it. I don't care if I ever get sponsored. I don't care. It's yours. You can just have it. You're number one in my life. See, I surrendered to him. I decided to sacrifice my hopes, my dreams, my pursuits, and put God first. Within two weeks, I had a sponsorship. And it wasn't because of me. I was up on the mountain, and I ran into this pro team. They said, hey, you want to show us around the mountain? We're new here. So I rode with them all day, and at the end of the day, they said, 
why don't you take this board out and ride with us, you know? And it turned into a sponsorship from there. And what I'm saying is, when we sacrifice something, it, it feels big to us to say, I'm going to give this to you, God. But see, we're just opening the door for him to give it back better than we ever imagined. So I would encourage you guys to, to live this life of sacrifice where you're putting God first. Because he will bless you like you can't imagine through that. That's that life of commitment and covenant with God. Putting him first and me second. Okay, number six. We only have two more. Number six is Acts 10.28 and it describes uniting through fellowship, through spending time together. That makes sense, right? Again, with Aaron and I, if we never spend time together, uh, we're never going to get close together. So never bother us Wednesday nights. That goes for you, Amy. Wednesday nights are our date night. That's our night to just spend time together. And so we do a lot of fun stuff together. A lot of times we like to get a bunch of different weird ingredients and cook some new exotic meal and learn how to do it, right? And then ever after that, we have these great recipes that we know and we can cook together. That's just one example. But see, as we, as we do things together, we are, we are being united and we're developing this friendship and this relationship. So it's saying the same thing with God. Have fellowship with God. Unite yourself with God through fellowship. And again, that James 4.8 verse that we shared last semester, draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. That's key. You guys, every morning, the most awesome time of my entire day is my time with God. That time where I have set aside to just get in His Word and read and hear what He has to say to me. And then to pray... I try to pray for most of you guys every day. And if there are any of you in here that I don't pray for every day, I want to start. Because I love you guys. We're brothers and sisters. And that's my time to spend with God and to go to Him for my brothers and sisters and ask Him to bless them and to go to Him and to tell Him what He means to me and to tell Him how much I love Him. And that communication, that fellowship, that time spent with God is uniting me together with Him. So I would encourage you, unite yourself with God through fellowship, through spending time with Him. It's vitally, vitally important. Okay, and the last one, this is kind of awkward, but this word is used in 1 Corinthians 6.16. So the verse before 6.17 also uses the same word, unite. And it puts it in this context. It says, he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her. So it's talking about sexual intimacy. It's the same word that's used there about how we can unite ourselves with God. Now that might sound awkward to you. And don't let it sound awkward. It's not saying it in a sexual sense at all. But what it's saying is there is no word in language known to man that can describe how close you can be to God besides that. Does that make sense? You can have a relationship with God that is so close that language cannot describe it. That language is is just empty. And see, that's the kind of intimacy that God wants with us. That closeness where every day He's everything. And and nothing else matters but Him. In Jeremiah 30.21 it says, Who is He who will devote Himself to be close to me? That's God speaking to us. It says, Gunnar, are you going to devote yourself to be close to me? Dana, are you going to devote yourself to be close to me? Do you want me? Or do you want everything else? Or do you want me? Do you want to unite yourself with me and be close to me where nothing else in life matters but me? And see, that's that intimacy with God that He created us for. And it's the only thing that matters in life. See, nothing else in all this life compares with that intimacy that I can have with God. Paul said in Philippians 3, 7, 
whatever was to my profit I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. He said, I consider everything else trash compared to just knowing Him. See, as I unite myself with Him, nothing compares. It's the reason that I was made to exist. I'm kind of a type A personality. I like that. I kind of like to get it done, get it done, get it done, get it. I think, Jordan, you're kind of like that. One of the traps for me is I start to think that the point of life is doing things. You guys remember the story of Mary and Martha in the Bible where Martha was cooking all this stuff and making all these preparations and I've got to get this done, I've got to get that done. And she goes to Jesus and says, Mary's just spending all this time with you. Tell her to get busy and help me. And Jesus said, she's chosen the one thing that matters and it's not going to be taken away from her. See, nothing in this life matters other than me uniting myself with God and having that fellowship with Him on a daily basis. It's the only thing that brings me joy. It's the only thing in this world that truly satisfies. Nothing else does. In Psalm 34, 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And I think if you guys think back, you remember times that were so sweet where you had those a time of intimacy with God where you know God is right there listening to every word and He's right there comforting me in a need. Like Robbie, I know, has experienced this with, with his best friend dying recently. You know, I talked to Jesse's dad today, Gordy, and, and I said, Gordy, you know, how are you doing with this? People ask me how you're doing, and I always say, good. He grabs my hand. He says, not good, Nate. Great. How do you say great three weeks after your son dies? How do you say I'm doing great? And he says, I have the sweetest times with God every morning. And he goes, there are tons of tears, Nate. He goes, I cry and I cry and I cry. But he says, God is so intimately close to me. It's the sweetest time of my life and I'm doing great. See, that intimacy with God, it it just surpasses everything else on this entire planet. And that's what God offers us every day as we choose to unite ourselves with Him through these different steps. So I just want to close with that. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, He who unites himself with the Lord is one with Him in spirit. So this is the challenge, guys. Pick one of these things. I don't know. Remember we talked last semester about what's your next step. I don't know your next step. You know your next step. I don't. So pick one of these and say, This week I'm going to unite myself to God in this area. You can unite yourself with Him by being committed to fellowship with other believers. Maybe, maybe you just have not been plugged into good fellowship where you can grow. Maybe that's your next step, saying, I'm going to be committed to connect or to church or to something like that where I can really grow in fellowship with other believers. The next one, trusting Him in every area of your life. Maybe there's a, and something that you need to trust Him with. Something that you need to say, God, I'm trusting you even though I don't understand. Developing convictions about living a life that glorifies Christ through His power. And I want to put that. You can never live the Christ-like life on your own power. But He gives us the power. And see, it goes back to uniting. It says, He who unites Himself with the Lord is one with Him in spirit. Well, He's given us His Holy Spirit to live the kind of life He wants us to live. And His Holy Spirit empowers us and fills us and directs us every single day to live that kind of life. But it takes, it takes that initial step of saying, I'm going to have convictions about following Him. It might be following His plan for your life. Something that simple. Realizing God has a plan for my life. I'm going to follow that. It might be putting Him in charge in every area of your life. Or surrendering to Him. There might be an area. I know we as guys are really good at this. We compartmentalize everything. And say, you know, I'm going to give these three squares to God. But not these squares over here. And God's saying, no, I want all all the squares. I want you to give me each square. You know, I want you to give me each compartment. So maybe it means putting him in charge in every area and surrendering to him. 
Maybe it means continually drawing closer to Him. That James 4.8 verse again. Maybe something as simple as having a daily quiet time. Spending time in God's Word. Memorizing it. Reading it. Studying it. Maybe it means praying. Going to the half night of prayer. Just me talking with God. But basically, guys, it boils down to just living a life of intimacy with God. Just where He's everything. I just want to encourage you guys with that. Pursue Him. Lay hold of Him. Passionately desire Him more than anything else. Don't desire to do more for Him. Don't desire to be more for Him. Don't desire to be a better Christian. Just desire Him. Because all those things come out of that. And make that decision to unite yourself with Him on a daily basis in your relationship with Him. And I promise you the intimacy that's going to come out of that will be awesome.